Hey, I'm Steve Holt, the senior pastor of The Road at Chapel Hills. This is The Road Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My heart is to empower you to change the world. I hope this message impacts you. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. For you that are guests with us today, you may not know this, but we've been going through the book of Ephesians. And um, here we are in Ephesians 6. We come to this interesting passage about spiritual warfare. Now, it's, it's appropriate to this letter to the Ephesians if you understand the fact that the theme, and this is a theme that I use in Ephesians, is that you were born for war. You were born for battle. God has given you everything you need to take on the enemy. God has given you everything you need to walk in victory against the enemy. Uh, you just don't know it, okay? But Ephesians has been preparing us for that. So let's look at, at verse 10 of chapter 6. Finally, so finally, we're coming to the end of Ephesians. He's summing it all up, everything he said in these uh, five and a half chapters. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. Now, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to give context. In Ephesians chapter 1, he opens the letter with something very, very interesting. So the salutation, the very beginning is verses 1 and 2. But look at verse 3 when he really gets into the body of his letter. He says, it's blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every and this is everybody, you guys, with every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly places. Okay, this is really important. Heavenly places. Now look at the last uh, prepositional phrase. In Christ. So, that's the point of Ephesians. But here's what you got to understand, guys, is look back now at verse 12. So, so you have been given, according to Scripture, every spiritual blessing in Christ but here's what's interesting. It's in the heavenly places. It's up. It's in the heavenly. You have to be able to know how to get into the heavenly places in your life. You've got to learn how to take authority and power that God's given you in the heavenly places. And it's a fight. Guys, it's a fight. The problem with current American Christianity is everybody thinks it's going to be easy. It's going to be like easy street or something. Oh, I got saved or I go to church or whatever. And then your life's falling apart. You don't understand why. And then you start blaming God. It's because nobody taught you. So in my opinion, it's the pastor's fault. It's the church's fault. We haven't taught you guys how to war. We haven't taught you how to fight. You got to battle for your blessings. They're there. But if you can't fight through to get there, you're not going to experience it in your life. So look back. Okay, look back. Ephesians 6. Let me read verse 12 again. It's really important. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but another way we could say this is we do wrestle, though. We wrestle. Look at this word. Underline it. Circle it. Highlight it. Whatever. Against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where? Once again, in the heavenly places. In other words, you've got to have something within your heart 
that says, I want the blessing. I want everything that God has for me. I want to make a difference in this world. I want to make an impact. I'm not going to settle for the Christianity I've known in the past. I want to walk into a new kind of victory in Christ. And guess what? You are going to be opposed. You're going to be opposed. It's true in everything. It's true in economics. It's true in your business. It's true in your marriage. Anybody around here married? Okay. You thought it was going to be that, and then you got married, and it's this, right? It's a battle, man, and then you have kids. Hello? So, so then that battle's there, and so this is for the spiritually violent. You have got to be spiritually violent. You're to be humble, loving, and kind to your fellow human beings. But when it comes to the devil, you're called to be violent against him and his demonic powers. And so we don't, so I was, you know, I'm at the assembly and, and people are waving at me from the road in the stands and stuff. And some of you guys might have been a part of this group. It was a group of ladies standing there and I just went up to them. And I said, you guys are mama bears. I love mama bears. But you know what I like along with mama bears? I want some mountain lions. And mountain lions are men. And there are a lot of men there. And so here's the problem. The problem is passive men who won't fight back. And so men, this is for you. God's called you to be a fighter and a warrior. It's the reason you like movies like Gladiator and Braveheart. stuff, Because in you, you were born to be a warrior. And on Tuesday morning last week, I talked about God is a warrior. It's all through Scripture. Moses understood it. Joshua understood it. And Jesus went in and he kicked some Pharisees' butt in the temple. He came in there because he's a warrior. Now, he's not all warrior. He's a loving warrior. He's a kind warrior. Don't hear me wrong. And if you write anybody emails me anything on what I just said, I'm not going to answer you. I'll just tell you that right now. So don't even worry about it. But he's a, war, he's a loving warrior. He's a kind warrior. Don't hear me say anything different. But he is a warrior. And man, he has made you a warrior. Women, he has made you a warrior. I'm proud of both of, of you and all of you in this church that fight so admirably. Now, I want you to look up at the um, screen. I want to give you um, a graphic that I've used in the past to help people understand a little bit about what we're talking about over the next few weeks. And this is a Western worldview versus a biblical worldview. And the Western worldview would be, the best way I know how to describe it is the way I've written it up here, is that there's a fourth dimension of God and angels and demons. And then there's a three-dimensional world that we live in. And we're so rational in the West and so scientific in the West that we don't think there's any interaction between the two. Now, we don't mind worship songs and we don't mind reading about it in the Scriptures. But... We don't really think that they interact on a daily basis, so I call that the excluded middle. The excluded middle. Okay, but then the two-thirds world, you guys, have been all over the world. I've been to like 45 countries of the world. Most people believe in the other view, which is more biblical. And that is that the fourth dimension of God and angels and demons does interact on a regular basis with our three-dimensional world, and I call that the view of the included middle. So on the one hand, you have kind of a rational Western worldview. But on the other hand, you have a biblical transrational worldview. So when I was in Okinawa, when Liz and I were living in Okinawa, if you were in any village in Okinawa, especially on the islands and stuff like that, 
and uh, someone got deathly ill, they didn't rush to the clinic. They rushed to the Utah. And the Utah is a priestess that would channel up spirits to bring healing to the person who was affected. That's just their natural worldview. That's where most of the world is. That's closer, you guys, to more of a biblical worldview than the Western worldview. So we tend to pop the aspirin, man, pop the, you know, the drugs and stuff like that. And I can tell you that there are some stuff. I, again, this, I'm not going to answer any emails on this. So you, you listen to what I'm going to say. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. And, and what I'm saying is this. I'm, I'm not against prescription drugs. Everybody hear that? Say, Steve is not against prescription drugs. Okay, you said that. Good. But, but, some of you are taking drugs for stuff that God could heal you of. But because of this problem with the excluded middle, you never let him come in. You never prayed for healing. You never believed him for healing. And I'm sorry. It's a bummer for you. It's like for me, I'm cutting, you guys know the story, like a year ago. I don't know when it was, like a year ago, I think. A year and a half ago. I'm cutting, you know, I like the chainsaws. I was chainsawing this tree that was really wonky on my property. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of, ADD about dropping trees right where I want them. And I've, I've been known to put red cones up about that far apart and take a tree that this big, and, man, I can drop that sucker down right in there, man. And I sit there and I work it. So on this particular day, there were two trees out about 25 yards away, and I'm going to drop it between the two trees and go, yeah. So I go, so I drop it, and it hangs up halfway because I didn't see a limb that was sticking out. It hangs up halfway. So I'm from Georgia. I'm not real smart. And I... Took my chainsaw and I got underneath the tree. Sometimes demons have a lot to work with. So I get up there and I cut it, and this tree slams me in the head. I throw the chainsaw off, I go down, blood just everywhere, blood everywhere. So I go and I go, this is not good, you know? And so I walk up to the house and I, I say, Get Ethan. Get Ethan on the phone. I said, listen, Ethan is Deborah's husband, emergency room nurse, trained and everything. So I get him. I said, what? I just did this, and I explained it to him. Is it, what, what's a concussion? What's going to happen if I get a concussion? And I'm, I swear, he tells me all these things. I hang up, and all of them start happening. I start feeling nauseous. I start getting dizzy. I start feeling like I'm going to, you know, black out. And I'm like, oh, this is a concussion. And then it, something in me rose up. And I said, I'm not going to get a concussion. This is from the enemy. I'm going to be healed in the name of Jesus. So I started saying, and I said, and I said, all the symptoms went away. It just went away. And then I go up here, and there's a tiny cut that big left. Everything else, there's no more blood. It's over. It's done. I walk out, finish up the tree, cut it up, started splitting the wood. Now, why do I tell that story? Because that's what Jesus did. So when Je here's what's interesting. In the Greek, the same word that Jesus used for casting out a demon is the word he used for rebuking a disease. So I believe that Jesus knew that a lot of diseases came from demons. A lot of viruses, a lot of illnesses came from demons. And so he was not nice to viruses any more than he was nice to a demon. I think... That Jesus doesn't like disease anymore than he doesn't like demons. And he actually treats them the same because many times, not every time, okay? Everybody say, not every time. 
Not every time. The reason this is hard for some of you is because you're still locked up in the excluded middle. That's why you struggle with some of the stuff I'm saying. Okay? But the problem is, is that we don't think demons are behind that. We, that but they can be. Are they always? No. Listen, guys. If you go and drink, you know, 10 cans of beer and have a little tequila, too, after your ski and you get drunk and you puke and then you got a headache the next day, I don't care how many demons you rebuke, you're an idiot. All right, so that's the other side of the story. So, in other words, if you're putting junk constantly in your body and you get cancer, I mean, you know, don't be, you know, okay, this happened to me yesterday. So I am standing there, and everybody knows my wife is Miss Holistic Everything, okay? Well, she's not with me yesterday. And, and so Tim Geithner, one of our representatives from Denver, comes up and says, Steve, are you hungry? And I said, yeah, kind of. He goes, hey, man, I got this breakfast sandwich you wanted. I look at it. It's, got, it's McDonald's. <laughs> I haven't held one of those in my hand in 20 years. But, but I looked around, and Liz isn't here. Okay? So I'm staring at it. Rose, are you in here? Is Rose in here? Okay. All right. So we have this lady in our church. And she's as bad as my wife. And she comes up and says, what's that in your hand? And I go, uh, it's a, I don't know. I don't know what this is. She goes, she pulls out a banana and she starts peeling it. And she goes, oh, I'm going to have potassium and vitamin C. And you're taking all that into your system and da-da-da. She says all that. So then I went. I took a big bite in front of her. And I said, I, just, I have all these plastics coming into my body. I just can't wait to have it. So I say all that to say we don't really have an excuse for our behavior that we choose to do. But the enemy oftentimes is at work behind the scenes. So look at verse 10. Let's start with that. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So, so church, this is really important. You can't change you. You can't make powerful changes in your life without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the power of God working in your life. You have to have him. And that's really important that the rubric over all of this is the power of God can change us. The power of God can give us the authority that we need to make an impact and to change our lives and to walk in victory, but you can't do it in your own power. So he's making that abundantly clear that the walk in victory... The walk of faith is in the power of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, not in you. And I think that's probably one of the struggles for men is that we've been so ingrained all through the years to be powerful, independent, a maverick. Um, that we have what we, what we need. And the Lord is saying to us, no, you don't. You never will. But I do. And if you'll trust me, I'll give you what you need. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So I'm going to talk about uh, strategic level warfare today. And then I'm going to go into the strategic level, macro level up here in the fourth dimension into next week. And I want to talk about next week, Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset and the uh, World Economic Forum, WEF. And what I think is the, the, the early days of a one-world government being formed in these last days of the church. And so 
I'll talk about that more next week. But he's talking about here how to put on the armor. I'm going to get to that in about the third week. We'll start getting down on the tactical uh, ground level of that. But here's the key word, and you should circle, underline, highlight, wiles of the devil. And the best way I would describe that is strategies, schemes, plans. Actually, the word is methodia, where we get the word methods. It's the methods of the enemy, that we have these methods that we're aware of. So in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says, we are not ignorant of his schemes. Same word. We're not ignorant of his methodia. We're not ignorant of his strategies. Problem is, you are. I am. We're, we're always struggling. And so for, for millions of years, possibly billions of years, Satan, because we, we don't know in time immemorial when he and his angels were cast out of, of heaven, but for possibly millions, if not billions, he's been honing his craft and his methodology. You can't fight that unless you're in the Lord and you're in the Spirit. And we're going to talk about it. In the next six weeks or so, and it may not be that long, maybe it's five weeks, you're going to get a seminary course on spiritual warfare. I would say this, 95% of seminaries don't teach this stuff. Because the professors don't understand it at all. And so the reality is, you're coming into a whole new deal, guys. We're going to be armed for warfare in a whole new way because we're going to start to understand the methods and the plans of Satan. So jot this down. Two, two major, again, I'm, I'm starting big, big rubric here. Two major ways that Satan works. Number one is what we're going to call strategic level spiritual warfare. Okay, this is what affects nations, this is what affects governments, this is what affects kings and um, prime ministers and leaders over large companies. This is a strategic level scheme called world dominion. They want world dominion. That's always been the goal. You say, well, how could somebody like a Stalin be raised up who killed over 7 million of his own people? How could a Hitler be raised up who killed over 6 million Jews? How, how could that happen? Well, it wasn't just them. There was a prince. There was a king behind them in the fourth dimension empowering them. Number two, number two, methods and schemes on two levels. Second level, ground level. Number two is ground level. The scheme is to control and destroy your life. You guys aren't getting this on the PowerPoint, I don't think. You're still, you, got, you have the second one. So the first one is strategic level. The scheme is world dominion. The second is ground level, control to control and destroy your life. Now, this is, everybody look at me. Think of it in terms of a triangle, okay, a triangle. So when we think in terms of a triangle, you think of God, Satan, and man. Draw that out on your stuff you're taking notes on. So you got God, Satan, and man. So we sometimes think in terms of Satan being against God and against man, because he's after God and God's people. Here's what we forget, though, is that God's people and regular people are actually against Satan and God. So here's the interesting thing, is that even when you're not a believer, you're against Satan. Because there's something in you in the image of God that was created in all of us that wants to be independent and free. And so a lot of times when we come in and we're coming into any power source, we abhor that. We fight that. But listen, you guys, here's what's important. Not everybody does that. 
And so some people are actually demonized at high levels of government, and they don't even know it. They don't even know they're demonized, okay, because they have no clue about this. We were just in a discussion with someone between services who said, you know, this is a situation that I'm in, and explained about some people that they know that are more into New Age stuff. And what should they do? So I, I kind of coached them on what I would do and what I've had to do over the years in casting out demons and stuff. So the reality is this, is that there's a battle, and I'm not going to talk on two. I'm going to talk on one today, strategic level. So let me, let me do a little bit of a preemptive strike on what I would consider the ground-level tactical nature. Here's the four ways, I think, that the enemy works the most in our lives on a daily basis. Four ways. Number one, just think it right down, pole, P-O-L-E, pole. Good way to remember it. First, pride. Pride and arrogance. That's what's happening in Hillsong right now. I mean, Brian Houston evidently got kind of arrogant with all the success of Hillsong. He, he's been messing around, and he's been caught, and it's really, really sad, you know, what's happening with Hillsong and with the churches and everything. And then we've seen so many Christian leaders, Ravi Zacharias and others, pride. At the road, we can't get prideful. As a senior pastor of the road, I can't get prideful. It's deadly, man. That's, that's not good. Some of you guys are successful in your business. Be careful of pride. It's not good. It can ruin your life. It can ruin your marriage. Don't get prideful. Guys struggle with this more than women, in my opinion. Second, oh, offense. Taking offense. This is where women struggle. Women struggle more with this than men. You get offended easily. You got kids in your home. They've grown up now, and they're still mad about something you did 35 years ago, and you want to walk up to them and go, get over it, man. And the reason is not because they, you know, you didn't hurt them. Yeah, maybe you did do that. But the reality, you guys, is this, that you got to forgive. You got to forgive. And I've had my fair share of betrayals and stuff like that in my life. But, but by all means, I do everything that I can to forgive because I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in joy. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure I go into place and not everybody likes me. Not everybody liked me doing the prayer at the assembly. I said a few things. I did. I took my time. And I said, look, I've been living here for 27 years. It's a great city and a great county. But there's some stuff happening around here I don't like. So I told them. So I probably won't get invited back. I don't care. But my prayer was really good. Okay, so we take offense, right? So you got to forgive. Guys, don't carry offenses. Get some other bloodstained allies if you need help. And you guys get free of offenses. It's not good. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But um, So pride, offense, L is lost. This is a guy's struggle. Big guy, I mean, women struggle too, but guys a lot with sexual and material lust. And then lastly, envy. Comparing ourselves. And I think, that, again, that seems to be more of a woman's thing. So you see what I'm saying? Our genders are different. I don't care what the culture tells you. I don't care what the mainstream media tells you. That guy who won those swimming meets in the NCAAs was a guy. Okay? I won't go into the anatomy of it all. I think we all know what we're talking about here. But God made them male and female. Okay? So... And you see, when you follow the enemy, listen, when you follow the enemy, it devours itself. Right? 
So you have these women in the, in the whole women's movement. You know, and all this happened. And now they're devouring women's sports. They're devouring themselves. Isn't that sad? Well, I'm praying that it's going to get turned around and this thing's going to get changed. You know, so whatever. But, okay, now four passages. Let's look at these. I'm, I, I want to move through these fast. These are the four major passages about Satan that I've chosen. There's 25 in Scripture, but there's four. I want to talk about the four most important biblical passages. Um, First one is Ezekiel 28, 12 through 17. Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Speaking of Satan, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. So here's what we believe theologically is that Lucifer was a high-ranking angel over all of the angels in the heavenly being in times immemorial. Okay, and so he took, or it took the worship, because a cherub is a, a spirit being, took this worship and then gave it to the Lord. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created, and that's really important. Satan was created. Okay, God's got a purpose for Satan. God's using Satan to carry out his purposes. I like to call him the stooge of God. He's the stooge of God. Till iniquity was found in you. Now, if your kids have ever asked you where did sin start, it did not start with Adam and Eve. In humans it did, but, but sin actually started in Lucifer. It actually started in Satan. And something of pride was raised up within Lucifer's heart. I like to use the word spontaneous generation. There was like a spontaneous generation in the heart of Lucifer, and he rose up and he attacked God to take over the throne of God and was cast out of heaven. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground. So, learning a few things there. Anointed cherub, created by God. Uh, pride was lifted up in spontaneous generation in the heart of this spirit being cast out. Now, Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 actually shows what happened in the heart of Lucifer. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, which means morning star, or bright shining one, son of the morning. So it seems like Lucifer was beautiful. I think Satan can come as a thing of beauty to us. That's actually what I believe about the garden. I believe... That, you know, if you think of a serpent as slithering on the ground, if you remember, that was the curse that came after the sin. So the serpent possibly was on, I don't know, two feet or, or was lifted up. Might have been a beautiful animal. We don't know. But it was beautiful. It was shining. It was bright when uh, Lucifer came to Eden. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weakened the nations. So that's what we're talking about today. That the enemy comes and his minions, his demonic spirits, weaken nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the further sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. So that's the ultimate for Satan. Is he's going to be like God. That's what, he that's what he tempted Eve with. You can be like God. 
Okay? And so this, this pride was lifted up in Lucifer, and he's cast to the earth, and this pride was welled up within him. Now, Revelation 12 gives us another perspective. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. Now, that's very interesting because many of us believe it's like a confederation of leaders, a confederation of nations, and I'll talk about that more next week that will be raised up in the last days. Seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. We believe that speaking of angels in heaven who became demons on the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Speaking of Jesus, she bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was called up to God and his throne. John 10.10 The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. So seven things. Here's seven things we know about Satan and his schemes. Number one, Satan is a created being and not in any way on a level with God. That's really important. That, don't, that, that some seem to put, some churches and some groups, almost put Satan at the same level as God. And it's kind of this pitched battle of, of kind of equal power. That is not true. Satan is way, way, way down here created as a, as a seraph or as a cherubim or as a spirit being. And God got all the power and he's given all the power to you. And we're going to talk about that in, in our study. Number two, Lucifer was the highest ranking spirit being in God's court. Three, because of pride, Satan was cast down to the earth. Four, when Satan was thrown out of heaven, a third of the angels rebelled and went with Satan. Those are what we call demons today. Five, Satan's greatest enemy is God and the people of God. That's what Satan hates. He hates God and he hates the people of God. Six, Satan's job description is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he knows how to do. That's all he knows how to do. His job description for your life is that you would commit suicide. That is Satan's goal. It's not just to, not just to render you inoperative. Satan and demons want you dead. They want to destroy completely the image of God that's within you. Number seven, Satan works behind the scenes with willing leaders to control and weaken nations. I'm going to prove that to you in just a moment. Now, look at verse 12 again. Verse 12, Ephesians 6. So he sets this up and he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness in the heavenly places. So let me just make an addendum here. I don't want us to think that because a particular leader does something evil that he doesn't know what he's doing or she doesn't know what she's doing. And somehow we can just say, the devil made me do that. No, people are still responsible for their actions. I'm just saying that there could be a power source behind the actions that they don't even know about in some cases. And that's why a lot of times in these, when you look at these despot leaders, they end up devouring themselves. Their leaders just begin to devour themselves because they don't even know that they're under the power of the devil. And all the devil knows how to do is steal, kill, and destroy. Can't create. I mean, we don't have time to go into it right now. But I could take you to Genesis 1 and tell you that I believe there's a gap between Genesis 1-1 
and Genesis 1-2 of possibly millions if not billions of years that when the enemy was cast out of heaven, he was given the earth and he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do with the earth. He can't create anything. All that the enemy can do is destroy. So when you read in verse 2, it says it was chaos. How could something God creates be chaos? Because God didn't create it as chaos. He created it beautiful in times immemorial. The enemy was on the earth destroying everything. And then one day, one day God shows up and he starts to create. God can unscramble eggs. And some of you guys got scrambled eggs. Listen to me. And you're looking at your life right now and you say, Steve, if you only knew the kind of chaos I'm in. Guess what? God loves chaos. Because what he does, if you'll let him come in, is he'll come and start bringing order. He'll start ordering your life if you'll let him have control. He'll take your, your chaos and he'll start to order it. Just like he did in Genesis 1-2. He'll start to move in a powerful way. So let's look at principalities and powers ruling over nations. So the best example we have of this is Jesus and Satan in the temptation. Then the devil taking Jesus up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this can be yours. What's interesting is Jesus' response was, Worship the Lord your God and Him only. He never disputes the statement that Satan makes that he actually has control over the kingdoms of the earth. So there is this power behind kings and prime ministers and leaders, that if they're not working in righteousness, peace, and joy, which is the fruit of the kingdom, Romans 16. So if they're not walking, they're they're vulnerable. I'm not saying they all are. I'm saying they're vulnerable to the workings of the enemy, especially in the area of P-O-W-E-R, wanting power. And I'll talk about that with the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum. I'll talk about that next week. This is about power, folks. covid was about power and control. Fauci doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about you. If you think he does, man, you definitely better come for the next few weeks. Because, man, you're living in la-la land. Okay? Fauci's for Fauci. Fauci's about making money and building up big pharma. That's what that's all about. And I'll give you some statistics that will just blow your mind um, next week. Okay? So that's what the enemy does. He looks for willing subjects that want power. And then he begins to manipulate those things. So Jesus, this is what's interesting to me. Jesus didn't want that. He didn't want that. He was going to work through people like us. Little lower than angels is what the scriptures say in Hebrews. Little lower than angels. He's going to take humble people... Not real smart. Kind of dumb, actually. You know? Look at the disciples. Look at you. Look at me. 
He doesn't, he doesn't work with the wise of this age. He doesn't work with the wealthy of this age most of the time. He just works with regular people who are subject to him, who humble themselves, say, God, use me. And then he does miracles. Because the reason he does that, I think, is because who can get the credit? It has to be God. Look at you. How could God do that through you? But he can. That's what this church is about, is to empower you to change the world. Because you can change the world. Okay, another example of this is Daniel chapter 10 with the prince of Persia. So let me give you a little background. Um, Daniel's been fasting for 21 days. And then an angel comes to him and instructs him about everything that's been happening in the fourth dimension while he's been in prayer. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I've come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, and that's an archangel, one of the chief princes came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Plural, kings of Persia. And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. Indeed, the prince of Persia will come. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying there was some demonic spirit over Persia. That's present-day Iran. So Persia was ruling. It seems as though there was a king, there was a main principality or power over Persia and that he's got to deal with that to get the answered prayers for Daniel. So that's why sometimes you've got to really pray and fast and pray for long periods of time to see a breakthrough because there's actually, when you start to pray, there's demonic powers fighting the answer to your prayers in the heavenly realm. You say, well, Steve, this is getting really weird. That's because you're a Westerner, Okay. So I'm telling you, this is what the Bible says. And it's telling us that when you pray, there's actually demonic spirits you're praying against. Sometimes you don't know what they are. I'm not even sure you need to know all the time what they are. And there's people running around all over the U.S. naming and claiming spirits and stuff. I say, be careful with that stuff. That's like, to me, minor league stuff. Major league stuff is just pray. Let God take care of Satan. You pray to God, don't be praying to demons, okay? So you're praying to God, and you're asking Him. That's what Daniel's doing. And then he gave us an insight that we're, that's given to us for all time that something really happens when you pray. And for some of you, you're right on the verge of it. What if Daniel had quit at the 20th day? He wouldn't have got understanding. He wouldn't have got wisdom. But he kept pushing through for 21 days, and when he did... Man, God came. And it was about the end times. It was about the last days that he got revelation about. So Satan's goal is world dominion. There are only two obstacles to Satan's goal. It's really important. There's only two obstacles to Satan's goal. Number one, God-fearing, constitutional, declaration of independence, Bill of Rights-loving Americans. Guys, I've been all over the world, 40-some-odd countries of the world. I can tell you there's no people like Americans. I love Americans. If, you are, if you're in a love-hate relationship right now with America because you've been listening too much to mainstream media, go out of the country sometime. And when you go to that country, stand next to some of those people and say, do I want to fight with these people or do you want to fight with Americans? And what I mean by that is that 
that, that because of the Puritans and the pilgrims, God laid a great foundation. And yes, we're, we're almost like a Babylon now. We really are. But, but there's still some left. There's still a remnant. And I love those people. And you're those people. And we're going to hang together and we're going to fight together and we're not going to give up. We need each other. So that's number one. Number two, number two, and actually more powerful, is the uncompromising, empowered kingdom revolution church. It's our churches that understand these words by Jesus. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's people who understand their power. They understand their authority. We'll talk more about that next week. But the reality is, is that you have everything you need. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can walk as more than a conqueror in Christ. So three, three final thoughts. So here's number one. Number one is Romans 8. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Notice where it says principalities and powers. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Number one, you must not just know, but you must believe that you're a conqueror through God's love. You can conquer hatred. You can conquer division. You can conquer darkness through God's love. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Number two, you must believe that you have all authority over the power of the enemy. You have that authority. Again, next week we'll talk more about that. And then lastly, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, 1 John 4, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Number three, you must believe that you can overcome the enemy. You've got to believe that. Not just know it, but believe it. Well, how do we believe it? The only way, church, that you believe it is you've got to experience it. I think the reason people don't pray is because they haven't ever seen God really answer their prayers. So pray until God answers. And I have an advantage that I've cast out demons, lots of them. And I've seen when I use the name of Jesus, they flee. And I've, met, I've never met a demon I like. <laughs> and I'll tell you, when you're dealing with the demonic, it increases your faith. So I know this is going to sound really spooky and everything. But if you want to grow in this, you've got to ask God to put you in some situations where you see victory. And you can't see victory if you're not in a conflict. And you can't be in conflict unless you ask God to use you in the power and authority that he's given you. So we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Hey, thanks for listening to The Road Podcast. It's been my joy to be a part of your life today. And you know, that's part of what we do here at The Road. And this is what I do in having this Road Podcast is to empower people to change their world. My passion and desire is that you would take God's word 
through the power of the Holy Spirit and make that relevant for your life. You know, the reality is that God has placed your life here on this earth to make a difference. And if you'd like more information about how to grow in Christ, if you need prayer, if you want more equipping in different areas of your life, go to theroad.org. God bless you.